everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 108th episode of the podcast, airing February 18th, 2021. Now, I'm pleased to present to you my discussion with traditional astrologer Joe Gleason, who will join me for a conversation on Pisces season 2021. Now, Joe and I are going to break down what this year's season of the fish may look like under the background of an already dynamic year with the Saturn-Uranus square in full swing. Now, in true Pisces style, we play a lot with imagery when discussing the aspects and how their influence may impact us on a collective and personal sphere. And we both agreed that there is bound to be more movement and a bit of flow and release as the tension fell in Aquarius season with all those planets in Aquarius, so much Aquarius, <laughs> slowly but surely moves on to bring us out of our heads and back into our hearts. So grab a box of Kleenex as water energy is about to rush back in. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my website over at energeticprinciples.com. I'm also super jazzed to share two announcements. One is uh, that Stormy Grace's Astrology YouTube University Kickstarter, which you may have heard me talk about over the last few months, has been fully funded. Yay! Uh, And we made our goal just in the nick of time, basically. Um, And we actually overshot it a bit. So be on the lookout for free classes starting in March on Stormy's channel. Now, I'm not sure when I'll be presenting just yet, but I will be sure to let y'all know. Now, another announcement is that April's Astrology of Awakening Summit to Renewal of Hope, which is going to be hosted by Christina Caudill, uh, is currently accepting applications for a few presenter spots that are available. And I have been nominated to be on the selection committee uh, to help choose three qualified female participants with at least two years of professional astrology under their belt who have a unique message to share. Uh, Now, that deadline to apply is March 1st. So if you are interested or know someone who might be, please uh, yourself or have someone else send the application over uh, if you are interested in participating. Now, there will be a link for you to do so uh, where you listen to this podcast, also on a blog post on my website, and of course, over at uh, radiantastrology.com where you can find Christina. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Pisces season 2021? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back to the program. We have Joe Gleason here on the podcast again. Thanks for joining me, Joe. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. I'm so glad to be back. I think, uh, refresh my brain, Aquarius season last year, did we do Aquarius? Yes, we did. It's so weird to think that was a year ago. Yeah. And well, and it's also weird to think that, oh, okay, it's coming back to me a little bit now. Cause I remember I I did a I brought on a few animal cards, which I never do and I haven't done since. But I remember oh, yeah. the flamingo, the in-between, embrace the in-between, and we were coming up with uh, we, we kind of took on a sports commentator, like both of us were like da 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 <laughs> with all the the astro, but we hadn't um quite, you know, we were in the the foreseeing of COVID. So I guess 
there's something to be said about that last podcast before reality kind of. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like anything over a year ago, just, I'm like, did that year even happen? I'm like, did 2018 even happen? Did 2019 even happen? Like, what were we doing before COVID? It's so crazy. Yeah. It really, the world really did flip over. It was like a pancake. It flipped over. Yeah. I got cooked. I don't remember what it was like. I'm just, <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this time we are back with Pisces season. Uh, my notes say 2020, but that was a year ago, 2021. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I love I just, that. I just looked at it. Well, you know what? Mercury is still retrograde in Aquarius as we're recording this. So I get a free pass for any typos that I have in my yes. notes. Uh, yes, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, before we get started here on all that we could possibly talk about with Pisces season, uh, Joe, just in case listeners have not heard of you before, will you give us a little quick rundown of uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name's Joe Gleason. I live in Oklahoma City, born and raised here. Um, I'm an astrologer part-time. I have a part-time day job too that I find to be very balancing. Um, it's at the container store, if you're curious about my oh. Virgo stellium and my off hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I started studying astrology in 2014 and got really serious in 2015. Uh, my education started at Kepler College. I was going for the diploma program, got pretty close, but then decided to pivot to Hel- uh, Hellenistic astrology with Chris Brennan and also studied with Austin Coppock some uh, remediation stuff and planetary magic And yeah, I'm just kind of doing my own thing now. I love writing. I love the idea of using traditional astrology to access storytelling and all that kind of stuff. So, and I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. Like I'm pretty sure everybody knows that by now, but if you don't, the analogies and metaphors with Lord of the Rings are real. So um, that's, that's a thing too. Yeah. So I guess if you like astrology and you like Lord of the Rings, then you need to be reading what Joe puts out there. And you, and yeah. you do, uh, you're a Twitter gal, right? You, you have, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, it's a great mercurial platform for kind of the way I like to communicate. So yeah, I'm definitely on there um, at just Joe Gleason, if you're interested. Yeah. So if you are on the Twitter, uh, go and follow her um, or on the IG, it translates different mm-hmm. ways, but I, I do, I, I, you do have ruminations sometimes where I'm like, oh, that's, fa- that's very clever. That is it's very <laughs> Virgoan. The, uh, yeah, the way you can mash uh, ideas up sometimes or, or the storytelling element, actually. So uh, definitely go check out Joe, um, especially if you're a mercurial person yourself. Yes, yes. Uh, so, all right. Well, uh, today we are going to be diving into Pisces season 2021. Um, and I feel like it's like overall, I mean, I'm, I'm do the planets give us a break? I don't know. <laughs> not don't at know. this point. Not at this point. I'm like, no. what kind of break am I looking for? What constitutes a break? What I, I don't know. Um, but I feel like getting past, of course, it starts on uh, February 18th. So we're not quite out of February yet when Pisces season starts. But I feel like once we get into the March territory, you'll be like some... I mean, January and February had some hard astrology to it. I mean, Mm -hmm. what did you think? (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
just, I think at this point, it's going to be some kind of relief, at least for a little bit, to have not every single planet, but Mars in Aquarius, because then those planets will not only move out of Aquarius, out of Saturn sign, uh, traditionally Saturn sign, but also move out of a square with Mars and Taurus. Mm. So um, yeah, January and February so far have just been an Aquarius party, which can be a very fun party, but it is still a lot of Saturn. So a lot of yeah. Saturn and we're not really allowed to party either. So. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Saturn. <laughs> Extremely Saturn. <laughs> I know. And I guess it kind of depends on where you have Aquarius in your chart too. Uh, oh, I mean, I have, you know, I'm a Scorpio rising. I have it in the fourth house. Is it a party in the fourth house? Mm. You know, it's, 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 its own party. It's, it's, it's partying in its own way. And sometimes I yeah. enjoy that party and other times I wish that the guests would go home, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I am ready to have some energy move out of Aquarius personally, but we, you know, on the get-go of Pisces season, uh, we don't quite have that yet, but as time goes on, it will. Uh, but before we get into the nitty gritty of like details of who's where and what and when, um, Let's talk about a little bit about Pisces season just in general. Of course, it's different than anything we, you know, <laughs> the new type of Pisces. Even Pisces season last year, because of kind of the whole thing started to shut down at the Aries ingress, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was a weird Pisces season. There was so much in question, you know. Yeah, it was kind of in between. We were st- we were still partying. I think that's when we had, I remember in particular, because um, they talked about kind of the great spread was the Sun Mercury Kazemi in uh, Pisces <laughs> that happened on Mardi Gras. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. So that was Pisces season last year as we were all floating around in our fishbowl without having any clue of what was about to go down. Um, but I mean, Pisces, do you have a Pisces planet, Joe? I, not a one. Not, not a, a one. one. Okay. No. All right. So we're, but you're across the pond in Virgo, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have plenty in Virgo. I have three planets in Virgo, but um, nothing in Pisces. It's it's an interesting thing for me because I'll just share that uh, Pisces is my eighth whole sign house. So it's a very, like any Pisces transit tends to feel like very vulnerable and very connective, which can be like really good, but like really uncomfortable when you're used to like Virgo planets in the second house. But, um, yeah, I don't have any Pisces placement. Yeah. Well, you know, that's okay. Cause I'm sure you've, uh, you know, whenever Pisces rolls around or you encounter Pisces people, (laughs) you're Virgo, gets to look down the barrel of that opposition and gets a good uh, play on it. Um, I don't have any planets in Pisces personally, but I do have my South Node in Pisces. So I guess that counts. Ah, yes, definitely does. (laughs) Pisces, uh, somewhere back in the annals of time, I've lived a Piscean life, I suppose. Um, But what would you say the characteristics of Pisces season might might be this mutable water? What, What happens when Pisces rolls around? Well, you know, it is often, at least for the Northern Hemisphere, and this is this is on my mind right now because, um, as I was saying before we hit record, it's three degrees here in Oklahoma City right now. It's way colder than it has been in like a century or something. Um, but it's the coldest time of year in the Northern Hemisphere. We're all really, really ready for spring. We're ready for the ice to start melting, for the world to start thawing out. 
um, to get a little bit more movement after fixed Aquarius season, after Saturn's uh, back-to-back signs. I think everybody kind of feels ready to uh, feel a sense of potential and growth and a little bit of that, um, the moisture of Pisces being a water sign. It's a more fertile environment. It's more connective. And I think it's a time when everyone looks forward to that, you know, looks forward to spring and starts to look with hope toward those first glimpses of, you know, green shoots poking through the snow and whatnot. And there's kind of like a, a hopeful kind of misty quality to it, whether that's, uh, and, and, you know, this is another thing where I'm like, was Neptune ever not in Pisces? Like I legitimately <laughs> don't remember. <laughs> it's because I've been getting Neptuned by opposition. Oh for, yeah. Like, but that aside, it's it, Pisces can have a really dreamy and idealistic quality and idealism is a good thing. Like it's, it's so valuable and important. Um, but it, you know, on the other side of that coin, it's sometimes like, that really green grass poking through the snow or is it like uh something someone didn't put in their recycling bin and you know so there's a little <laughs> bit of both of like uh make sure you're keeping your eyes turned upward and toward hope but also like there's a little bit especially with Neptune and Pisces right now of potential for um hoping a little too soon or getting your hopes too high and mm-hmm. a little bit of when idealism turns to naivety and things like that yeah I hear yeah once again, speaking as the Pisces South node, <laughs> I hear that. That is that is the truth. But the nice thing about Pisces, I think if we are going to lean on the idealism and the dreamy quality and the, the kind of imagineering of life that can happen with uh, Pisces is that it really is the pre, you know, it's the, it precedes Aries, which is kind of the fool's jump into a new beginning to some extent extent. And we, sometimes we need that idealism in order to take risk. Um, of Absolutely. course, is it, is it a good risk? We don't know. You don't know until you rock off that cliff. And that's the beauty of life is we never know. We don't control it in that way. We try to maybe with our Virgo planets or our Capricorn, which I have both of those. <laughs> um, but you know, like that's, I, that's the nice thing about Pisces is it is a, it is an interesting in between time. It is that connective, uh, you know, cause water, like you said, does like to connect with others and, and maybe a little bit more cuddly, hopefully, uh, you know, oh, hopefully yes. you have some folks to cuddle with <laughs> or a lovely kitty as Joe has a new kitten, right? You have yes. a little cuddly. That's exciting to have a new kitty. I have a I cat, like so not fun. new, but, <laughs> but I can still cuddle with it. Um, and so I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to Pisces season, but the bottom line, I guess, get those planets out of Aquarius. Honestly, yes. At this point, anything, I don't care what sign they go into, just out of Aquarius. Yeah, you go backwards, forwards, hop across, go to Leo. I don't know. Just keep (laughs) moving. Just keep moving. Um, So I guess, what does this bring mundane-wise when we think about... Well, okay. So mundane energy moving to Pisces season, but also it'd be remiss of us not to talk about kind of Saturn squaring Uranus, uh, leading Pisces season in. And as we're talking about this, we're about two days out from it, uh, perfecting its square. And what I think is probably contributing to the extreme cold front that Joe is going through right now in Midwest. (laughs) Um, but, uh, well, actually let let me pick your brain about Saturn Uranus square. What do you, Oh, you know, it'd be really cool if it just weren't happening. (laughs) It's such an interesting background influence because, you know, there's, there's so much 
perspective available with all these Aquarius planets. And there's mm-hmm. so much opportunity. I think, I think the thing I noticed like the very most as planets started ingressing into Aquarius this year, um, and as Saturn and Jupiter ingressed into Aquarius late, um, in 2020 was things just felt more possible. There was more space to move. There was more space to breathe, more space to imagine, try things, um, things felt very stuck in Capricorn, like it very eternal. Like this is just the way things are now. And, um, it was, I mean, it was tough, you know, and I think with Aquarius, there is a lot more space, a lot more perspective. And so I always imagine Aquarius, I probably said this last year on your podcast, um, Aquarius is like you climb the Capricorn mountain and then you're up on this cliff with this amazing vantage of the land below, Um, So you can plot your course, you can make your plans, you can really see from that bird's eye view. And it's like, you're looking down on this land and the tectonic plates are just shifting right before your eyes. And if you have read Lord of the Rings there, I'm already (laughs) using Lord of the Rings comparisons. I'm so sorry. Um, If you've read Lord of the Rings, there are like the Ents, you know, they're like the walking, talking tree creatures. Um, The, the Huorns are actually they're less personified and they're more like trees, but they move. And I just imagine like Huorn forests, like moving right before your eyes. You're like, how am I supposed to know how to plot my course when the literal forests are in different places every time I look? So there's this wild card coming from uh, Taurus, from this very tangible, um, sense-related, physical world standpoint where the variables are just always changing and we're really trying to take advantage of this uh, perspective that we have to find these new solutions and try different things. But it's, we, we are having to stay agile when Saturn's strong point as ruler of Aquarius um, is, is really in, in structure and, and implementation, not necessarily like quick changes and like being agile. So it's a real test and it's a, it's a real test of patience um, in my experience, I don't know. How do you feel? Melissa? I feel that, well, yes, <laughs> I do. I've done a lot of meditation realize it lately. And every time, um, the first thing that the message that I get is, is you at uh, patience and, and they'll even tell me they'll be, get, they'll go, we know you don't want to hear this. And I know what we keep saying the same thing over and over again, but really it's patience. And I'm like, yeah. Um, but you know, what's interesting. I love that. Okay. So I will confess that I've, I've never read the Lord of the Rings or seen the movies. So that is okay. to me, but, uh, I love the analogy of the idea of the forest moving because it's almost like when, as you were saying that I was kind of thinking about, uh, you know, plotting, it, it makes it hard to plot forward, but at the same time, you, you know, we have to move. And if something's constantly moving, what it does is it really propels us into forward into the future with less uh, ability to go back. Because if something's constantly moving um, and say we even laid the breadcrumbs or our like Hansel and Gretel trail, it's not there any longer because all the landscape has shifted so much that there's not a solid path back, I guess is... (laughs) Yes. I love that. I love that (laughs) so much. Yeah. Yeah. We're just kind of forced, forced to just step into the future one step at a time, regardless of what changes and kind of knowing that it's going to change. So like, what can you do? Those are times when like, you can have patience. You can be like, well, it changed again, you know, (laughs) saw that coming. It's not fun still, but, but you, you know, 
And so, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So maybe that's the one thing we know, you know, you can't go back and, and, uh, and that's okay. Cause even if we were allowed to, we'd probably get back there and be like, this feels foreign now. Like yeah. this, this is just as foreign as what I think the future or what this present is. And so that there totally. really is this kind of moment in the moment type of thing. And it really makes sense because, and we all saw it kind of coming, especially us that kind of follow or, you know, plot more mundane astrology. We, we knew that so much was changing in 2020, even before the, the pandemic exactitudes. Um, but the Saturn Uranus square really does propel us into stabilizing some sort of new forward agenda, plan, momentum, reality, you know, fixed signs, air, earth. And I don't know, it seems kind of perfect for where we are. Kind of like you said earlier, is it comfortable? No. Uh, but it, it's just kind of the, the nature of life and kind of a logical course based on what we've dealt with over the past however long. So we're in that. That's happening uh, as we start Pisces <laughs> season. And it's going to be like, it's good. It's a whole thing for 2021 uh, for the most part. Um, so we can't really fully ever get like really get away from it, but we start this having been steeped in its, you know, exactness, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of what's happening collectively. I will say, cause I, I love, I, well, I love, I love weather astrology. Or I, I like how astrology impacts the earth in many ways. And so what I'm noticing with the Saturn Uranus square, um, cause Uranus can bring up, you know, obviously it's in Taurus. It can shake earth loose. Um, it, it, Uranus just in, in general, it has like sudden storm energy to it. Uh, Saturn ha- has these in things that are very fixed. Um, and just like when we think of, I, okay, I'm going to stop brambling. Cause that's what, that's what Mars and Gemini does, uh, and lay out my examples. Okay. So one is this crazy cold front that's going on. Uh, that's including where Joe lives right now that has like Texas losing all types of, you know, blackout power, like super low temps, snow, you know, these types of things. Cause Aquarius is a very cold sign. And like, uh, Joe was alluding to earlier about Aquarius season is kind of the, the fixed point of winter and when it is the coldest and the strongest. And so that's an unusual uh, situation that's going on that is going to end up affecting our crops in a big way. That's uh, come after the fact, uh, which is a very Uranus and Taurus type of situation when we think about food supply and things along those lines. So it's interesting to see the weather pattern and how this particular storm that we're in in the moment is going to have a long-term uh, you know, situation go on. Um, another thing I, uh, was brought to my attention was this, um, massive avalanche in the, in India, in the Himalayan region in New Delhi that like trapped like 140 people, like the, the earth, the, the earth literally just, you know, collapsed all these all this ice, uh, and oh my god, I had no idea. But yeah, and so this happened uh, a few days ago. Uh, it happened on the seventh, I believe, so about a week ago. But I'm I'm such I'm so into tracking, and I'm feel sorry for those people. Of course, I'm taking more of the uh, intellectual view of like astrology with this, but um, I find it so fascinating the timing of the ascendant um and the mid just the angles when it comes to the release of especially uh natural events 
Uh, and of course, right at the time of that avalanche had Uranus on the ascendant. Uh, and then same when last example is that uh, huge aftershock earthquake that happened in Japan on Saturday evening there, um, which was an aftershock of an earthquake that happened 10 years ago. Is that Mercury retrograde or what? what? Yes. Yes. I didn't know that was possible. Exactly. That's the, the wow. it's, it's crazy. Right. And so you draw the chart for uh, 11.07 PM when it happened uh, off of Nami, Japan. Uranus is exactly on the descendant. Mercury retrograde is exactly on the IC, like to the degrees. Oh my and God. Can't it, make it up. You can't make it up. This is astrology for you folks. So just sharing those interesting events. I feel, you know, yes. So earth beat a quaking and a shaking. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Buckle up everyone. <laughs> Buckle up. Buckle up. All right. So that being said, well, let, we got so much to talk about with all that's going to go down. Uh, so we'll add the energy of how this will affect our personal lives as we go through <laughs> these different uh, transits and stuff. So uh, Pisces season Thursday, February 18th, when this podcast airs, uh, you, when you listen to this, it'll be here. Um, and we kick it off with a Gemini first quarter, which I've noticed all these ingresses lately have been throwing us in with a first quarter moon square right away as we get into that energy. Um, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, I, I love that immediately for the Pisces ingress, we have a Gemini moon like approaching, you know, the North Node, co-present with the North Node. I, I'm really hoping that this will, I mean, again, pretty much any ingress out of Aquarius is going to feel like relief in some way. Um, I think this is going to introduce, um, you know, a little bit more of, I'm, I'm hoping it'll feel a little bit less locked in a little bit more, like mm. there's a little more flow, a little bit more, um, yeah, a little more flow it might be a little bit more playful. I think just the sun moving into Pisces in general and out of Aquarius is going to introduce some more connective energy, which I know I mentioned before, but, um, you know, there's only so much like speculation and planning and strategizing from this high vantage point you can do before you just need like a hug, you know, <laughs> you just need, tell me about like, it. <laughs> you're just like, I just need some comforting words and I need to feel like I'm connected to something and connected to someone. And, um, I think that th this Gemini first quarter moon might bring a little bit of that, but additionally, you know, Mercury stationing direct just very shortly after and is going to be ruling that moon in Gemini. So it's also yeah. a little bit, I think of like, okay, so all these big plans you're kind of formulating, you know, it's, it's time to think about how you might actually implement those. And like, what is, what does that mean? And like Gemini planets, I feel they are very excited by many of the options. Oh, yeah. So it's really about, <laughs> that's not a personal thing. It's like, um, it's, it's very much about like narrowing down and being selective. And I think that's a lot of what this Aquarius energy is about in general is being selective. You know, you mm. can't do all the things. So like, what are you going to do? But I'm, I have probably more to say about that later, but. Oh, but I, well, feeling that I'm feeling what you're saying. I actually had yeah. a conversation <laughs> the other day, like literally yesterday on Valentine's day about like, 
I, you know, I just want a word of set sentiment. I don't want to like the, everything you just said about like, the connectiveness, like, cause I, you know, I have a lot of water, you know, cancer, sun, Scorpio rising, cancer, Venus. Like I, I'm like, I cannot take all this air. Like I need, I, 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 I need some, give me a hug. Like I want, <laughs> and, and it's, it's kind of a joke to have Valentine's day in an Aquarius season anyways, yeah, to some extent. I'm just like, I feel like it'd be more suited to Pisces, you know, Venus. You can make a good case for there. that. I can yeah. make a good case. Maybe Taurus. I don't know, but uh, and no offense. I love Aquarius. Some of my best friends in life are Aquarius. So nothing wrong yes. with that energy. Just when we're talking about the, the connective. So anyways, what I'm saying is I resonated with the, uh, the desire for that connectivity, which is kind of ironic being that basically Pisces season and right as Mercury, we got the first quarter and right as Mercury is about to station direct. We also have Venus and Aquarius squaring Mars in Taurus. So here we, here come the, the lovers, um, in contention <laughs> to some extent, not yes. always, it's going to be very activating. Uh, I don't know. It can be a very passionate, uh, transit, but Aquarius and Taurus, if that, those are interesting. Well, cause when we think about well, air and earth together, it is uh, a more difficult combination of elements because they just have nothing. Well, I guess squares are always like that. But what do you think of a Venus meeting Mars? Uh, like Aquarius, once again, Aquarius and Taurus. Uh... What do you know? Um, Aquarius <laughs> and Taurus, the theme of the winter and spring. It's bad. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, because usually, yeah, we would think of Venus Mars squares as being very dynamic, potentially like, um, having that kind of like erotic tension. And then, but Venus in Aquarius is, is really interesting. Um, I think it was Charm Torres on Twitter who was tweeting about, or, or was it, um, Ace, Alice Sparkly Cat? Either way, if you're not following those people, you should, you definitely should. Um, someone was talking about how Venus in Aquarius is kind of about like the, the conditions we have around love and like contracts, how relationships are contracts and it's, you know, love is conditional and that's part of what keeps communities together and relationships together. And it's not something that's necessarily a bad thing. If your love isn't unconditional and, you know, um, it's, we have to have those contracts and those expectations and set them realistically. And so to me, you know, Venus in Aquarius ruling Mars and Taurus and coming into this square is like, okay, we got to do love differently. We got to do relationship differently. And Mars and Taurus can be a little bit kind of like, um, maybe, maybe not covetous in the way that Mars might be in other signs, but kind of digging your heels in and kind of being like, no, but I just want to do it this way. Cause it's like, it's like really comfortable. Seeing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Venus and Aquarius is like, well, too bad. I'm in the overcoming position in this square. So like, you're going to have to fall in line and like, kind of, those are the kinds of things I was thinking about. Um, and yeah, I would, yeah. And I think Venus and Aquarius is also kind of thinking about Saturn's priorities here, which are, which are like, um, how can we be selective? Like what's sustainable? Like of all these new options we're seeing, like what, what is the sustainable one? And, um, and yeah, these are just kind of the thoughts swirling around in my head around this and just like, what does it look like 
as well when Mars is um, in Taurus, opposite of Scorpio, a sign that Mars rules, where Mars gets to be um, very strategic and very covert and like plan it all out and then execute the plan perfectly. And like a scorpion coming out from underground, you don't even know it's there until it's too late and you got stung. (laughs) In Taurus, it's like everything's out in the open. It's a big, wide green field. You can see everything Mars is doing and Mars is like, okay, so I actually have to show up. Mm. I actually have to do things that give results and put in that work. And I wonder if that's part of what Venus in Aquarius is expecting of Mars is like, you need to show up. You don't get to stay in your cave and perfectly plan. You have to show up and do it in the moment and be willing to make a mistake and handle the curveballs and still show up in relationship show mm-hmm. up for uh, your passions and what, what you say that your passions are, or what brings you joy or what brings you that excitement, um, show up for them. And like, what does that look like really? Because everyone's going to see it. You're going to see it in your life. It's going to show up in the physical. Um, so those are yeah. kind of my thoughts. Oh, I think, I think those thoughts are right on. I can relate them to my own, <laughs> my own <laughs> life right now. My current relationship <laughs> for sure. Well, that's why, that's why they ring so true is because we, right. cause they ring true. Um, and there's so many things I could say about that. And maybe that's part of what Mars is showing up for too, is like, uh, it's half the half passion, but it's, but at the end of the day, it almost comes down to the commitment because yeah. uh, when you look down to all of those, um, you know, chains of, uh, you know, rulership, we get back to Saturn. And yep. so what, what are we, what's the, are, are you showing up for the commitment and what does that commitment look like? And I really resonated with the idea of, um, Venus, uh, having conditions, especially in, oh, because Saturn has conditions, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the whole thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so having been born cancer, sun, Capricorn, moon, full moon, you know, I, I constantly wrestle with this idea of conditional and unconditional. And especially when it comes to love and, and, and I think unconditional love is beautiful. Obviously it's one of the hardest things to do, um, whether it's in a relationship that's directly a loved one, a, a friendship, a family, a stranger on the street, you know, it, it can be, some people are more, are better equipped at unconditional love than, than others. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to the commitments that we make to one another, um, and the, and relationships to endure, um, and, uh, be activated and go through these turning points, because that's what happens when we have a square is we have tension that brings us to a turning point, um, is that, it, at the end of the day, it's a commitment and there does have to be conditions around that because we have to have those conditions in place so that we have boundaries, you know, like boundaries yeah. are important <laughs> because if we yeah. have, cause unconditional they're, they're depending on how it's coming, it can get to the point where there is a lack of boundaries or your boundaries are no longer in place and there's just too much give. Um, and yeah. So I guess it, I don't know. I, I really resonated with that idea of conditional. My Capricorn moon's like, yes, <laughs> conditions. Yeah. Uh, 
you honor these conditions, the scroll rolls, <laughs> rolls out. <laughs> Drops, hits the floor. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that might be part of it. And it, and part of it could be uh, talking it out because this is Venus in an air sign too. And we have Absolutely. first quarter Gemini moon. And so maybe things need to change. Maybe there's transition and we've got to fit some puzzle pieces in different ways. Maybe it'll be a little detached and it could come off a little cool, but it doesn't mean that there's not love there because uh, you're stepping back enough to be able to say your piece in a way um, that has a forward agenda to it because Aquarius is still reaching into the future. We're still fixed in the place. Um, And so I feel like this Venus Mars could have a very productive quality to it in the fact and at least getting on some sort of like even if they're, it's not comfortable because <laughs> Mars and Taurus wants to be comfortable. Maybe that's why it's not moving. And Aquarius is like, no, we got to upgrade this situation. This is not working. But at the end of the day, I feel like even if it's not in the moment, there's a productive element that is will be at play during the square. Uh, and not to mention Mercury stations the next day. So anything you've been ruminating over, <laughs> you know, during the last like 21 days, it's like, this seems to also be part of it to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've been talking with some friends just about kind of how, how it's feeling just day to day personally to have like Mars and Taurus squaring everything in Aquarius and Mercury retrograde. And another thing Charm said uh, today on Twitter, um, you know, a lot of times think, you know, I'll tell people quite frequently, like if Mercury's not activated as your time Lord and Mercury goes retrograde, you know, don't catastrophize about it too much. It may be slightly annoying, but it may not have a super noticeable impact on your life. But the funny thing about this Mercury retrograde is like pretty much whatever planet is your time Lord is getting contacted by this Mercury retrograde. So it's been like, you know, Mars and Taurus not having a whole lot of motivation to get, get up and get after it. And Mercury being retrograde, just, we, we all know how that feels at this point. It can just feel like, um, you know, I want to move forward, but I just realized I have to go fix all these things. Oh my God. I think that direct station will hopefully just help us to think a little bit straighter and feel like we can move forward a little bit again. Um, I, I think the retrogrades probably brought us a lot of seeing holes in our, in our bright, shiny new plans that we were so excited to test out. We're like, Ooh, Aquarius innovation. we try this new thing. And then Mercury retrogrades like, yeah, there's, it's new, but that doesn't mean it's perfect or you still got to fix a bunch of these things. So I'm hoping that direct station will, bring a little bit of uh, possibility and forward movement back into our lives. Cause oof, the, 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 the amount of days my brain has just been like, Nope, not doing anything. Sorry. Day <laughs> off again. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I have to do things. Oh. So, we'll get a break from that with the direct station. Yeah, I resonate with that. I thought, I oh, <laughs> well, it's all in my fourth house too. So I keep getting that. Oh my gosh, you know? yeah. It's like, it's hard when it's at the bottom and I'm like, I just want to focus on my internal problems that I need to get through right now. And you want me to work at the same time? Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think you're absolutely right about 
we will turn a page to gain some forward momentum. Um, and we'll have looked at the holes in the plan. You know, that's, that's the nice thing is like, at least we have this time to kind of see like the, the blueprint was missing some lines here. Maybe we overestimated here. We underestimated there and we can just see that kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, the, our, our bigger range view as we stand at the top of the mountain and, and now Mercury's there at the top of the mountain. Cause basically Mercury is Sam is uh, stationing in a sandwich with Saturn and Jupiter. So he's kind of, it, or it, well, it is kind of in a, um, an interesting place just to really slow down and change direction too. It's, 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 but it's closer to Jupiter. Um, and I thought, cause I, you know, I have a Mercury Jupiter conjunction in my chart. It's actually, I have Mercury Jupiter conjunct in Leo and it's stationing in opposition to my Mercury Jupiter. So it's, it's, it's an interesting to have this, the transiting Mercury Jupiter opposing my natal Mercury Jupiter, because at first, you know, hindsight's always 2020, but like weeks ago, I'm like, oh, I feel like that's going to be a, a nice time when all these, all this Mercury, all this Jupiter, these are my best planets. And and I have to say it was kind of rough. Like there was like, <laughs> there was a, there was kind of wake up calls. I have a Jupiter, Jupiter opposition going on right now. Like it was, it, it yeah, it brought my mind to, uh, having to move forward in, in life in many ways. And I, I was just not winning the lottery. I even was, you know, what's funny, Joe, is that I was given, I was gifted a bunch of scratchers on the day of my, <laughs> on my <laughs> right as Mercury or conjuncting it. And I was like, Ooh, maybe this is going to be my, Hey, my big break. Um, no, I won $2 and a free ticket. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the symbolism was there. Symbolism was there and it, it was good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that there is something to be said about this station and it really solidifying the forward movement because everything is going to be ushered out of Aquarius after that fact. And this is all happening in the first couple of days of Pisces season, basically, you know, there, there, there's this interesting kind of shift squirreliness, right. When we, we get in there. Um, and of course this is first quarter. We're, we're basically covering a time when we have first quarter to the full moon. So this is that hot and dry period where it's kind of the most active of the cycle. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, so, you know, we got the relationship square, Venus and Mars, we got Mercury stationing direct. Um, but then Mars goes on to have a, a new interaction uh, from Taurus uh, to trine Pluto and Capricorn on February 24th, which will be a Wednesday, you know, give or take some days. We'll feel this around it. So it's interesting. Touchdown with Venus. Mercury's got new ideas. And now the this super trine in Earth signs puts us to work to some extent. Yeah, I was thinking about this and I always think about with Pluto um making connection with something that's really really deep in there wherever it is whether that's like deep in your heart with a Venus Pluto situation deep in the recesses of your mind with Mercury and Pluto and what's so interesting about Mars and Pluto um getting to work is absolutely something I always think of like being able to get really focused on something and really just locked in, in that very Pluto way. And with Mars being the, uh, doing things planet, you know, it's very good for that. It's very good for 
saddling up to, to really go the distance and, and invoke some of that stamina and tenacity we can get with Mars in Taurus. Once, once Mars and Taurus gets moving, you know, you can have a lot of weight behind that and a lot of momentum. Um, but one thing I was thinking about, and I was, you know, imagine you're kind of your Mars, you're in Taurus, you're kind of plowing these fields or something and you hit like you, you dig into this little tunnel and you're like, well, where does this go? And then suddenly you're going down this like rabbit hole or tunnel. Um, and the other image I thought of was like, you know, what if you're planting a tree in your backyard, you're right in your own backyard, you're not on some grand adventure. You're just like here in your, in your normal kind of life context. I think about Taurus and how, how very physical and tangible it is. It's the fruit hanging off the trees outside. It's the, it's the nourishing food you put in your body. It's the, it's the fabric touching your skin, all these Venusian sensual things. Like what happens if you find that chest you thought was buried and it's still in your backyard and like what's in there. And this is all very abstract. Mercury's in Aquarius. What can I say? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but it's like, what is, what are you finding that's coming up from a very deep place and surfacing in a very physical way in your life? What is, how is your body responding to all of this abstracting that we're doing all of these, the new ways that we're living, the new ways that we're socially engaging, the new ways you're doing things like your love contracts and relationships, like what's coming up in your body and what's coming up in a very tangible way in your life where you can just kind of, I don't want to say get your head out of the clouds, but like take a little break from the zoomed out perspective and just come down to like here and now, like your space, your body, your environment, and like what's going on there, what what's being revealed by all of this, um, because that has to be a part of your strategy too. Um, it's again, it's kind of about showing up, like, where are you showing up and how are you showing up? And like, what are the consequences of that? And those factors have to be taken into account as we are navigating the Uranus, um, situation, the, the Saturn Uranus square, trying to like find new ways of moving forward and not moving back. Like you have, you can't Aquarius it all the way. Like you have to take all of this into account too. So those were just kind of some images that came to me Mm. regarding this Mars Pluto trying. Well, I don't know if you meant a pun or not, but there's something to be said about uh, a zoomed out perspective because- Oh my God, I, I didn't mean, even mean it. I, like, <laughs> it, Yeah, I, I, did, I had a feeling you didn't, but I was like, she'll appreciate this because that's true. It's like I'm we all, as, as we are on Zoom right now <laughs> and we're all engaging with one another through Zoom um, and it being in that cloud space, that's another pun I suppose we could use too. It, it, it is it like, w- there is this detachment there is this this air like quality and maybe that treasure box in your backyard is opening up um you know the need for uh like in person right right in front of you uh even like sensuality at the end of the day because yeah. that's you know mars is you know a, a, a sexual planet uh and it's in venus's yeah. sign you know that this can be a thing where uh people 
need that, you know, it's just one thing to connect over zoom versus like seeing you in person and being able to give you a, a, you know, a hug in some way or like that touch, you know, things like that. Um, but also kind of like you say, say maybe we dig into that box and we find that treasure and, uh, how can we work with it? Because that's another thing Mars does is it's in, especially Capricorn energy and Taurus energy Mm -hmm. is there can be work there. There can, uh, you know, how can we use these resources that are right in front of us, um, in order to, I don't know, have some sort of, uh, life stability that is very mundane in a sense. Cause that's what yeah. earth can break down is like, you know, like making sure you're, you're eating well, you're, uh, you know, you're taken care of financially, you know, these can all be things where we are now activated with Mars energy to take care of and, and hopefully a trine. Um, I mean, Pluto tends when Pluto is involved, like you said, it, it goes deep and sometimes those in, intense situations, uh, put us into some sort of motion, especially, you know, with Pluto being in a cardinal sign for so long and cardinal does tend to indicate some sort of, you know, movement of the wheel as it does. Um, and so I just, I feel like we're all going to be very focused at that time, like uh, on very mundane needs, whether it's food, shelter, whether it's having a massage and like, if someone I need someone to touch me or I'm going to go insane. <laughs> you know, like, you know, these are, I don't yeah. know, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, but it could also be a very obsessive, you know, and trines don't, just because they're trines, they don't mean there are always like, uh, you know, of a complete positive nature. It just means the energy flows together. So there, you know, if you find yourself really fixated on something the week of the 22nd, uh, you know, that is Mars and Pluto um, at play basically. So hopefully it's, uh, geared towards something that is useful Capricorn, mm-hmm. something that is, uh, you know, long-term can, or, or, or rooted or can help stabilize your life some way. If they're, if they're checking all those boxes, I think that your energies are going to the right place, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. So that moves us on to, uh, we have a couple things. It seems like basically first quarter to full moon is kind of the most active period of Pisces Mm -hmm. season, I'm noticing. Uh, But we have some fun things happen. Like uh, how about Venus being moving into Pisces? So basically on uh, February 25th, we have Venus moving to Pisces and the sun sextiling Uranus, which both to me seem like, like, oh, this is nice. Some sort of (laughs) breath of fresh air maybe with the Sun Uranus, but uh, another planet leaving Aquarius. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited for this because, you know, as you were speaking about all that with, with Mars trying Pluto, one of the things that I was thinking about kind of in the background, um, just with Jupiter and Saturn and Aquarius, um, this idea of being selective and how that's sort of like a part of a planning process and a structuring process is... Um, being selective about what you give your energy to. And, you know, uh, Aquarius is an air sign. It's a social sign. And I think everybody in the world who knows astrology had a, had a moment where they're like, oh my God, social distance, Saturn and Aquarius. Like it's, it's ridiculous how much those keywords fit together, but um, being, being selective with where you put your energy digitally 
I think is very wise. Mm. And I think with the Mars and Taurus thing, I'm going to get back around to Venus and Pisces, I promise. Um, It's kind of about like, at what point do you give yourself like a phone curfew and you turn it off at 7 p.m. and you go and scrub your bathtub because Mars is in Taurus and you need to use your physical body, even if it's on something that's not going to affect um, how well your 16 Zoom meetings go tomorrow. Like, because you just need that. You're just like, I need to do a real, like a, a real air quotes thing, a physical thing. And I think with, Um, these planets moving into Pisces, part of it too is like, okay, I had this like amazing to-do list. I had all this scheduled out and blocked out. I blocked in time for like rest. I blocked in time for this and this and this, and it's like all in my Google calendar. And I think the planets moving into Pisces, sextiling Mars and Taurus, sextiling Uranus and Taurus are kind of like okay, so how does this feel now? Kind of like reminding us that there is this felt element to all these plans and all this speculation and hypothesizing and um, strategizing. Like, how does that feel to you? Um, does it emotionally feel good? Like, is is it connecting experientially for you? And I think Venus moving into Pisces especially um, is going to bring a little bit of that sense. It's going to remind us again of our needs for connection, for emotional and spiritual connection, um, for just feeling like there's there's more than just our zoomed out life, um, both perspective wise and just <laughs> Zoom meetings all day every day, and kind of bring in that idea that. Um, that is, that's such a relevant and important thing. And you have to have that be a factor in all of your kind of strategizing and being selective is, are those needs as well. And, you know, I, I believe in our last uh, podcast together, we talked about Jupiter ruling Pisces when Venus moved into Pisces um, from Capricorn last year. And this year, Jupiter's in Aquarius. And I was thinking a lot about that, about um, the idea of like being selective and less is more. I think with Jupiter and Capricorn, it was just like, sometimes less is just less. Like (laughs) sometimes you reduce and it's just, there's less. Like And that's it. That's the tweet. (laughs) So, but I think with Aquarius, there's, you know, by, by temperament, Aquarius is a, um, it's a hot and moist sign. There's a connective element to air. That's where we get the social element. And there's that heat that's about movement and about, um, activity versus passivity. And so I think there is an opportunity for like, um, what can you remove that's a very Saturn kind of question to ask. Like, what can be taken away? What can you subtract? What can you eliminate? And then what does that space, um, what, what is there room for now that there's that space? And that's what's informing the Pisces planets. And so something I thought about, gosh, way, way back before Jupiter moved into Capricorn, I think, I was thinking about Jupiter and Aquarius, you know, as you do, and, <laughs> and, and Saturn, Jupiter, and Aquarius, and like, look at the, look at the negative space, look at the empty spaces, look at what, look at the absence of things and notice the meaning there. And like, what, um, what is their space for? And what, you know, the, the, that, that beat between breaths and like, um, I think less really can be more right now. And like, 
taking away or kind of limiting or um, distancing a little bit socially or digitally can really bring in and make some space as we gear up for these planets moving into Pisces, make that space, give yourself a social media curfew, whatever. And then like, what's going to flow in with the waters of Pisces when we start getting, especially Venus in Pisces, like what, what would it be like instead of scrolling, you know, on your phone for two hours, like call your friend on the telephone and talk to them for an hour. Like, what does that feel like? How's that more connected? And, um, just being able to feel that connection more after making some space and being very selective with what we do with all this mental energy. Um, so those are, that was extremely rambly. I think I meant for that to be more coherent than it wasn't, but those I, are I feel some like it was coherent. Thoughts. I'm following you. Um, no, it just makes me think of, um, well, because space is very important. And this is another thing coming back to Aquarius. And this is, well, and at the end of the day, like you said, Venus in uh, Pisces is looking over to Jupiter in Aquarius, who always comes back to Saturn. But uh, that being, <laughs> just don't get away from Saturn here. Um, but space is, is so important. I think about that every day. And that could be part of all the fourth house transits. I'm like, I need to get rid of stuff. I need to have like more, you know, there, there, there's how many programs on Netflix now they're talking about uh, minimalism. Um, and because we fill our lives with a bunch of stuff that we think we need and stuff can be actually tangible things. Like we're buying things on Amazon, et cetera, to fill our houses. But, uh, Stuff can also be kind of like the the digital clutter. We all have digital clutter to some degree. Oh my God. No whether kidding. it's, you know, whether it's uh, pictures that we just take on our phone real quick or uh, screenshots we save or emails we never delete or the digital clutter that goes in our mind, kind of like you were just saying, as you scroll through 5 million photographs or comments or, you know, and, and then that takes up space in, in your head. And so I think there is a lot to be said for what you're saying about making space in your life, um, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, like clear it out because we can't, you know, the universe abhors a vacuum. So it will be filled again, but we can't bring in, uh, that, that more, um, that I think a lot of us are looking for, especially after, having been through a lot, uh, it, it can't be filled if we're still holding on to things, if we're still in certain routines, um, you know, in, in real life and digital life, et cetera. And so I think that's a solid piece, uh, of advice. And we might be surprised by what comes in when that space is, is made. Um, and, and we'll, we'll carry less baggage with it, with it too, because that's the thing too, with Pisces season. Uh, and I think we might've touched a little bit on this earlier is the mutability of it, this double bodied energy we're adapting, we're moving, we're swishing out. So, so other stuff rushes in. And so, uh, it, it's, a very transitionary period. Um, and so, uh, transition tends to need space. I, I think in order to yes. make, make that happen. So I, I definitely like that idea of creating space, which in turn will eventually be filled uh, by something that's more satisfying. Because I think yeah. that's another thing with Pisces is satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Because, <laughs> I, you yeah. know, that's where the idealism comes in. Once again, my mm-hmm. South Node in Pisces is speaking. <laughs> like, Let me tell you about being dissatisfied. <laughs> 
south node in the fifth house and Pisces. Like, yeah. Um, that that's real. And so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Ah, dissatisfaction. Disappointment. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So Bummer, it has to happen. Yeah, it has to happen. It has to happen. Um, but we get disappointed for different reasons too. So I guess that's what, maybe that's what I'm saying about Venus and Pisces, uh, especially since we might hold high hopes in the sense that a lot of us want so much, right? Uh, you know, not so much, but I don't know. It's, it's, we want more than we might normally want at this time of year when it comes to connectivity yeah. because we're so starved of it, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, well. So Venus and Pisces, you know, it's a breath of fresh water. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we're going to like it uh, in a lot. In a lot, It, it could have moments, um, I think, occasionally of, uh, I think uh, there'll be more opening up. Of, oh, for sure. Of I'm already seeing, you know, I just drove to get some cat food before talking to Joe and uh, saw people dining, re- restaurants have outdoor dining here again. And uh, I have a friend who works at a bar that they had outdoor bar going and they had p- packed tables, which I think would oh. definitely be a Pisces <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we'll have more movement, we'll have more sociability, but we can't get our hopes too high on how much we can connect while it's all happening, I guess is what I'm saying. That was a ramble. That was a ramble. No, I I love what you're saying though, too, because I I feel like one thing we can always count on with Jupiter, I mean, Jupiter, with Venus moving from Aquarius to Pisces is just some softening. Mm. And like, it just, it's just gonna feel a little bit less um, hard, I think, Um, both like hard around the edges and just like difficult. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be a little bit of sweet relief. And, you know, I, I noticed, um, here in the outline, you know, Jupiter training the North node soon after that. Um, and I was really thinking about how interesting it is that Jupiter's ruling the South node right now, and is going to be trining the North node and, you know, ruling these Pisces planets. And I was kind of thinking about how, you know, this is backtracking slightly, but Jupiter and Capricorn ruling the Venus and Pisces period last year was very much to me, it felt like, um, making do with what you have, you know, less is less, but like, (laughs) um, care is still important. Love is still important. Affection is still important. Um, even if we do feel like we long for more of that than we have at the moment. Um, and Jupiter and Aquarius being a Saturn ruled sign, but also an air sign. Um, the, the term that came to me was outsourcing Mm. and, um, just this idea of, knowing when to outsource, knowing when you don't have to do everything yourself or you can't and, and maybe feeling a little bit of Venus and Pisces, um, kind of some Pisces season satisfaction or maybe some dissatisfaction. It's just like, you know, you still gotta, we, we can't do connection in the exact same way we could a couple of years ago. You know, we're, we're still in this time period where we're trying to figure out how to get our needs met, our social needs, our, our, um, our love needs, all these needs. We're trying to figure out how to do that. And like, how can you have that sweetness and that softness um, and let Jupiter in Aquarius not just be like, well, you can't actually have what you want, but, but like, how do you again, bring in some maybe more selective ways of getting connection and getting that Venus 
time with the people you care about that may be utilizing some of these digital mediums or some of these other mediums in a way that still turns down the volume on some of the digital noise in our lives right now. That's a, a real all-time high. Yeah. Uh, hello, North Node and Gemini. Just like there's so much information all the time and it kind of turns into noise. And it's like, once you can kind of let that fade into some white noise, you realize that there is plenty of silence also. And um, yeah, I don't know. Outsourcing came to mind and like, it's, it's tough because I don't think Venus and Pisces wants to outsource any affection, just wants all the affection. But um, again, how can you kind of use the tools you have to get your needs met um, in new ways, even if you wish it were the old ways? Yeah. Like, what does that really look like? Cause we do have more options. I think it feels like we have more options now that Jupiter's in Aquarius. They're just, they're new, you know? And I think Venus and Pisces can be a little sentimental sometimes mm. and kind of be like, but I just remember the way it was. And it's like, yeah, it's really not that way now though. So what are you going to do? <laughs> you still have needs. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, the needs well. aren't go- the needs aren't going away. Nope. Um, they're, they're not. They're because we're human. They're, they're, we're yeah. all we're all human at the end of the day. Um, but that's a really good point about especially the sentimentality of uh, of Pisces and just water signs in general. Oh yeah, um, to some extent. Um, but it makes me think of when you think of, when you're talking about outsourcing or the idea of uh, delegation um, to be able to connect more through our community in some way, or it mm-hmm. almost makes me feel like Venus and Pisces might be more, um, centered on, uh, the joy of friendship than, yes. um, you know, like, and, and really embracing that in some way, since Jupiter is in Aquarius and Aquarius is all about friendship and, you know, linking up with your, your, you know, birds of a feather that have common interests. Uh, and so, and, and we can find a lot of affection from those relationships too, or finding the balance between those things. Um, because I'm noticing that too, even in my, my own relationship of how, because of certain Saturn and Aquarius action, um, I feel like, uh, my, you know, uh, social life, my, my friendships have, you know, like there's, I see some memes going around where it's like, you know, 2017, I had, you know, and it has, shows all these, uh, like caricatures of people, this many friends. And then 2018 was like a little bit less, this many friends. Then it gets down to like 2021. It's just your cat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like that that's the case because that's another thing too. So when you start to get stress on relationships, um, that are more, you know, like partnership and romantic, uh, a lot of times it's because, you need friendship in your life. You need community. Yes. You need these types of things. And so finding a nice flow of having both of those things in your life and how we do that now that, uh, you know, the idea of casual friendship. Um, and cause I was a, a, someone who knew, knew everyone, like in, in my scene, I know everyone, but it's all, it was a, and I, it was a more about acquaintance. It was more about going out and enjoying people's company one-on-one in the moment. And it's times like these test those relationships because that relationship basically became non-existent, uh, in our social world. Like those are acquaintanceship basically, it doesn't exist right now to some extent in, in the way yeah. that it did. And a lot of people, including myself really, um, 
maybe that's the superficial nature of air being able to be like, I know you, we can talk here and then move on to someone else. But some of us are, are like that. And that's our idea of friendship and good times. And so for me, I guess I'm speaking personally is like finding the balance of that because, um, I don't know. That's, do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> where am I going? Yes. Yes. No, I absolutely love that kind of, um, elevating the value of platonic friendship and intimacy to, to where it really deserves to be. Cause that's so important. That's such a valid and nourishing source of connection. And, you know, those of us who, um, have a long-term partner or live with our partners, I think everybody at some point during what's been going on, you know, throughout 2020 has had the experience of just like, I literally see no one but this one person. person. And yeah. it's, I mean, it puts strain on any relationship because that's tough. You know, you don't have those other acquaintanceships or seeing your coworkers normally where you just literally see other humans and interact with them. And it's all the pressure is just on the, the two people or however many people And so I, I love what you were saying. It makes so much sense finding that flow and that balance. And to me, it reminds me, and and this is just my personal experience right now, but it's just like, look, I love Twitter. I love short form. It's a website for jokes. I mean, how could I not love that? That's literally like my jam, but like (laughs) there, I, I have a lot of mutuals, you know, I have plenty of like followers, but there are people over the past I mean, really in, in over 2020, but I'm starting to really see this now and kind of focus on it more people who I actually feel like I, I want to DM them and form a, a friendship that's beyond being an acquaintanceship in a digital space. Mm. And I think that's part of the selectiveness and part of being like, no, I really want to have like more real relationship with this person and taking it offline and being like, do you want to be texting friends? Like, do you want my phone number? Do you want to actually talk about things not in this digital space, but form like a different level of friendship? And that's been so nourishing. It's made me feel more connected to the community. It's helped me get to know people more deeply that previously I just enjoyed what they said on Twitter or, you know, what the, you know, the kind of astrology they were doing or kind of their commentary and taking that more to, um, kind of a a more intimate relational level. And that's just been so rewarding and, and really wonderful. And I I feel like I really resonated with what you were saying about friendship in that way. Cause it's like, Oh, like the people that you think are really cool, like go, go talk to them, like take that out of a purely digital space. That's, um, seen by everyone else in that digital space and make a more intimate connection and like really celebrate that and really feel nourished from that. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting. Some of these connections I've made have been from folks being like, I'm, I'm taking a Twitter break. Like I'm not going to be on social media for like Mars retrograde or whatever. DM me if you want my number, if you actually want to stay in touch and me being like, I really do want to stay in touch with this person and how that's built more um, kind of real friendships, not to diminish like online acquaintanceship, but it's been really nourishing for me. So I love what you were saying about that. 
Well, because that is, that is a real friendship, you know, it's, it goes beyond the surface, I guess is what we're saying here. Yeah. And, and Venus and Pisces goes beyond the surface. So maybe that is part of it is we're taking the surface of the people that we met at the surface and then we're pulling them underwater with us. And we're like, <laughs> and we're, like we're going to swim together. We're, we're now, gonna, you're now, you, now you're with me. Yeah. Um, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, because I, I think that's important. It's important to go a little, a little deeper, um, and, and to have those connections just forge a, a stronger bond. So yeah, grab your friends, grab those acquaintances. If you, if you like them, they like you too, you know, like they yeah. t- take those moments. Cause it's, it's, spe- it's special. Friendships are very special, you know, to, yes. to the end. These are <laughs> like, Everyone needs friends. Um, so definitely, hopefully Venus and Pisces will help us with that. And Jupiter trining, uh, you know, the North Node, because that's kind of what yeah. we were coming from with this. Because, I mean, Jupiter trining the North Node anyways is, is there's, some things are moving forward. There, there's a, a flow oh, yeah. of forward moving, uh, future oriented, all the possibilities, Jupiter moving, you know, in formation with, with Gemini. So I think just this time in general, the week of the 22nd, even the week of March 1st, cause you know, Jupiter is a slow, slower mover. Uh, there's just going to be a lot moving forward at this time. I think, uh, yeah. going to have a lot more calls, a lot more, uh, you know, correspondence come in. If you've been waiting for things of like a go ahead to move forward, I think, the, or like the right information, you know, the, this is yeah. the time, the end of February, early part of March, where we're going to see that momentum, I think, take place in some way. That being said, it takes us to our full moon in Virgo. Uh, okay, we've only made it through like a first. There, there's less stuff going on in the in the rest of Pisces. There's <laughs> right, a, a yeah. lot of jammed in the beginning, um, yeah. but full moon at eight degrees and fifty seven minutes of Virgo, February twenty seventh, which is a Saturday, um, and so we have basically the moon opposes Venus that in Pisces that we were just talking about, uh, trines Uranus, which is always exciting, uh, and then. Per- Perfects as a full moon. Um, and really the ruler, uh, which is Mercury, who is now direct in Aquarius, um, is pretty much sitting with Jupiter and is headed to trine the North Node, um, you know, a handful of days after the uh, full moon. So there's something about Mercury-Jupiter conjuncting, there's that North Node flow. Um, and so here, Virgo, here's your Virgo planets. Here's my Virgo. <laughs> Full moon in Virgo. Uh, what do you think? It's always just, I mean, this is every full moon. It's, you know, the moon <laughs> and the sign that's the opposite of where pretty much all the other planets are. But it's really kind of, it's it's grounding. And I think mm-hmm. I'm excited for this because it's ruled by this uh, Mercury. So Mercury will be in aversion to Virgo. So in Aquarius, not making a traditional aspect, but I think just the overall kind of influence there, Mercury being direct, Mercury approaching, you know, Jupiter and then the North node, it's kind of, again, implementation. It's kind of like, okay, you've got that bird's eye view. You have, you have this kind of, um, also flow from the South node and Jupiter's sign to the North node and Mercury's sign. Like we've really been processing some of those old beliefs that we've had, those old dreams that didn't 
hold air or we just couldn't, we didn't have the space for in our lives. And just what are the new things that we're looking toward? And like, what does it look like to actually make some real first steps towards those? And like doing that actual work, like it's one thing to have like an outline in your head or, you know, in a Google doc for like this huge project you want to do. And it's another thing to like turn off the Wi-Fi and open a word document and start writing the book, you know, like, or, or whatever it is. And so it's like, what does it look like to really put these things into action? What are the first small next steps? And I think that's a very Virgo thing, you know, like what can you actually do right now? And it's, it's bringing in the Pisces planets. It's bringing in Venus a little bit. And Venus is going to play very heavily in the next lunation, which I'm excited to talk about the, the new moon. Uh, but we're not. Oh, yes. Yes, she, oh, yes. <laughs> she is very much up in that one. Uh, for sure. Maybe we'll have some foreshadowing with, with the full yeah. moon here to some extent. I mean, well, it's interesting to have the op- opposes Venus, trines Uranus, which the trine to Uranus is interesting as the last aspect that the moon is translating light from basically until the full moon, because there is that, that, you know, Uranus tends to free up energy, wants to liberate things. And these are mutable signs once again. And I noticed that these full moon uh, in in Virgo particularly can tend to uh, move uh, like real life situations along. Like if, if, you know, these are the type of things where parts of our life what like we can be rela- released from like literal chains that need to go. It, like maybe that job that you've been wanting yeah. to quit forever now is time, or maybe they let you go, or you know, like yeah. this. This is the type of stuff I think of when with the Virgo full moon is because once that Earth energy is transitioning, um, and if we're going to be positioned in that right place and make that space that you were talking about earlier, whether it's something for, that we do on our own accord or if it is the world kind of like closing off a, a, an option or rearranging some a little bit um, or pr- delivering a particular message because there is that mercurial element and especially about to try in the North Node, uh, we might hear a word of like something in our life moving on or something being rearranged or uh, now we have certain details that will allow us to move forward. There's just going to be kind of a lot of shifting of pieces, I think, which will happen, which... Um, it's a good thing. At the end of the day, it's it's a good thing. It, it, sometimes it's not in the moment because we're like, what are we going to do? Oh my God. You know, you get, you get the hyper aware of the bur- Virgo and maybe a little bit of anxiety of like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't have control over this. But uh, but it's all good in the, in the in the long run because I think having Mercury and Jupiter near, you know, tight together and trining the North Node is whatever happens during this full moon. Um it, it's pointing you in the right direction, even mm-hmm. if it's an, an eventuality of sorts. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that idea of kind of new information um, and kind of the pieces starting to move and like, um, yeah, just having having information you didn't before, having something get shaken loose or some um, some some space freed up, whether again, that's like you finally quit that job or like the job quits you or yeah. like what have you. <laughs> but um yeah, having having that newness really come in with Uranus, I think makes so much sense here. Yeah, because Uranus just loves to shake things loose. I always call it it's shaking, it's shaking the debris, debris, just shaking off oh, the yes. debris. Like if you got, you know, like a wet dog that has too much water <laughs> and just shakes, and it's like, oh, I'm 
fluffy now. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be a, a very interesting move ourselves along uh, with that full moon on the 27th. So once again, kind of Jupiter, uh, basically the week of the 22nd through really, uh, you, I don't know, the third, the fourth, yeah. there is just, the, there's this movement. Things are highlighted. Uh, there's completion, there's celebration with the full moon. There's moving along, there's apexing, there's word, all that. So look to this time, um, for, you know, life to get moving here. Um, that being said, well, and it's interesting because then not too long afterwards, so once Mercury delivers that kind of North Node message on the 2nd, which is um, a Tuesday, uh, then the following day, Venus uh, is sextiles Uranus too. So, so Venus is getting closer enough to the sun where she's mimicking the sun's moves, basically. The sun gets there where it shines its spotlight. We become conscious of something. And then Venus kind of... Uh, maybe smooths it over a little bit or, or connects it in some way. And so I like this idea of Venus sextiling Uranus too, after going through these motions too, which seems to add even more kind of a freedom or being open to newness and freshness or different ways of some sort, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, that reminds me of what the, those words you were just saying, it gave me this image of like, when you, when you're cold and I'm, I'm really cold right now, go figure it's, I'm sure. But like, so if you see me do a little shiver, that's why, but it reminds me of when you, you know, sink into like, um, into like a bath and your body kind of like releases and it's like the, or, or into this, this sometimes also happens in, this is going to sound like the exact opposite, but like when you, are kind of in water that's like slightly cooler than you might hope, like in a, in a natural body of water, like a lake or something, Mm -hmm. and you start moving and you move enough to where that water temperature starts to become comfortable and your muscles start to relax and flow more kind of that almost like, um, that quickening, that like electrified feeling you get from like cool water and then like adapting to that and Mm -hmm. being able to move with it. That's like what came to my mind as you were talking about, um, Venus sextile Uranus and that opening. So it's like, um, cause this is exalted Venus and Pisces and this is, um, Uranus and Venus's sign. So it's like, there's a potential for this to be like really nice and really fruitful and, um, um, I don't want to say constructive because like Venus and Pisces is <laughs> constructiveness <laughs> and resourcefulness. That's not as much what it's about, but like that kind mm-hmm. of like um, the, the, the shutter and then the opening and release. No, oh, I, I love that. I love it. I, yeah. I could feel that image or not that image. <laughs> I could feel the image because I've been there. I've like, you know, yeah. I grew up as a water baby and it's true. It's like any big body of water, whether it's natural or even a pool, like you get in and if it's a little bit cooler, yeah. there's that moment where, you know, you're like, whoa, but then all of a sudden you start to acclimate, right? You get a yes. like that shot, but then you start to acclimate in some way. Uh, and it could be productive in the sense of um, making, forging unexpected connections with others that, you know, help the Taurus agenda in some way, something that you're working on or a project or, or maybe that new job, maybe you got fired, maybe you got fired <laughs> from the old job and all of a sudden you have a friend that's like, oh, I've got this thing over here that you can come to, you know, it's all speculation. But uh, I 
feel like it's going to be a nice little sextile too, um, in the sense that these could be unexpected surprises that are really quite sweet. Um, if we are willing to go with the initial, like, huh, but then get comfortable of like, Ooh, what does this look like? Oh, now that I try this on for size, I feel like this, I, you know, I could, I can, I can really go with this or I can swim with this or, you know, in some way. So I, and, and if you've had any type of like relationship kerfuffles or anything along those lines too. I feel like that could be a good time as well as, you know, like Mercury's trying in the North Node too. Maybe we talk some things out. Maybe Venus starts to loosen a little bit. She's feeling more connective. She's willing to free up some things that were weighing her down before, you know? And so I, I really like the, what can, what could happen. Here. Um, but I guess a bigger note than Venus sextiling Uranus, because that is a little sweet treat on 3 3, uh, which is a Wednesday. Uh, big news Mars ingressing into Gemini, same day. And, and most importantly, out of Taurus. And out of Taurus. <laughs> yes, yes. Mars leaves Taurus, where Whoa. it's been since January 6th. Uh, which we were all excited when it got into Taurus. We're like, finally left Aries. I, now. <laughs> oh, I feel like that's like so many Mars transits. It's like, you're so excited. Mars is in a different sign. And then you're like, oh my God, Mars is in this sign. And then you're just, you can't wait for it to leave. And it's just that way. Uh, I feel that way with the nodes too, with the node ingresses. That's another story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am very interested to see what happens to energy levels when Mars is no longer in Taurus, squaring mm. Saturn, uh, by sign at least. Um, they're they're probably going to go, and if you could have seen my hands on this audio, you would have seen them just do like jazz hands almost. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting after all this kind of planning and perspective and speculating with all the Aquarius stuff. Um, and Mars feeling like, you know, maybe Mars feels like they have some more energy to move and do. And it's like, you have to, as usual with Mars and Gemini, kind of be mindful of how many things you try to go and do all at once at the same time. And like, be, be like reasonable and like, allow yourself to be curious, allow yourself to enjoy the movement and optionality. Um, but you know, you got to you got to make sure that you don't like bite off more than you can chew or verbally agree to more than what you can actually do. Um, remember like those Pisces planets, they still need that sweetness. They still need that slowdown. They need that connection. Like if you just add 16 more things to your plate, are you going to have time to text your new text friends that were previously just like Twitter mutuals? Like, are you going to have time for those relationships? Like, so there's, there's, I always think about that with Mars and Gemini of just like, there are so many things to do. Let's do all of them. Yes. Immediately. Yes. So. As a Mars and Gemini native, I 100% <laughs> agree with what she's saying there because that is one thing. It's like you, you, you start to uh, get excited about things because Mars gets excited, right? It's it's passionate. Yeah. It, it's it's you know it something lights its fire, and then your your fire's lit there, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden you catch this glittery thing in your eye over to the right, and then your fire's over there, and then it catches you to the left, and then to the right again, and then you're like, oh my god, I'm like. What, where, what, I, like, I will stop what I'm doing mid doing something to go do something else. 
and <laughs> go do something else. And and I'll come back around to these things, but it can yeah. be it, it can be exhausting. You can end up with yeah. too much on your plate. You can uh, over um, estimate what you're capable of doing because it all sounds good in your head until you have to do it, and then it's harder because maybe the energy is not there because it's mm-hmm. a, of a mental space. Um, you know, is it's great at speculation and possibility, but once you're in motion, it's like, oh, this is a lot more work than I thought it was. And maybe that's where we get the delegation of uh, Mars who will eventually try and uh, Jupiter. I don't think that necessarily happens in this season um, that I can see. but 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 by sign, it, you know, it's going to be talking to Saturn and Jupiter and what have you. Uh, so that is a, that is a very real thing. I think it will feel like a breath breath of fresh air as far as just movement. But we have to be sure that we don't like take it too far. And like you said, just start to agree to like all these different things, whether it's with other people or just to ourselves. <laughs> you yeah. know, because. Um, but what I will say is what I find very interesting, especially as it creeps ever closer to the North Node, um, which it, it will happen in Aries season, is that it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the media range and opinions. And, you know, because Mars and air sign, number one, it is it can be, it's mentally aggressive. Like that's why I tell oh, yeah. anybody that has it natally, if you have Mars and an air sign, like you need to have mental situations go on that deal with the stress that Mars can bring to like just mental irritation and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause it's a really weird thing, uh, real thing. But, um, I have a feeling that's going to get kicked up a bit when during this transit. Yeah. And it's, it's so good to be aware of that too, because like, again, there's, it is important to pay attention to the information that's incoming but it's also worth, extremely worth paying attention to like your adrenaline levels and how they are affected by the information you are consuming on the internet and being mindful that it is, it may not be actually helping you take action to just consume more and more and more inflammatory information. Like there's, do you know what I mean? Cause it's like, again, don't close your ears to everything and like stop paying attention to current events, but just know that like, and this is one thing I'm, I'm so glad that Jupiter and Saturn are in Aquarius supporting Mars by trying by whole sign trying. Cause there's this opportunity, I think to kind of keep a little bit of perspective mm-hmm. and go, okay, there's so much noise let that fade into white noise and, and remember that there is silence and you have time to stop and pause and take a breath and think and say, what can I actually take action on that will have an impact rather than just being like, Oh my God, everything is terrible. And it's all at once. And there's nothing anybody can do. And it's just, it's, everything's a disaster. The whole world's on fire. Cause I mean, it kind of is, but, but like, again, just, um, if, if, taking action or, or making impact or, or doing something is, is important to you. And it, and it is important. Like what are the ways you can actually maximize that and have that Saturn Jupiter perspective and kind of, um, maturity in order to be like, well, one thing you can definitely do that will help is kind of regulate how a journalist you get by how much information you consume, how many conversations you 
consent to engage in knowing that maybe they will be, um, you know, productive and stimulating and you will learn something versus, um, I, I think of like engaging astrology skeptics on Twitter. Like you can do that, but like, is that like, at what point do you just kind of call it and you're like, all right, this person's not receiving anything I'm saying. This is not actually making a positive impact. Like, where can you have those lines drawn, those boundaries for yourself, those Saturn things to support your Marsing in Gemini? So again, it's not that you should not do anything or close your ears to everything, but just be aware. Yeah, there's going to, I mean, Mars and Gemini, how could there not be an uptick of like uh, yeah, internet firestorms, real firestorms, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. I- Half of it's just being aware of it, right? So oh, yeah. if we're saying it here now and you know when you encounter it, you'd be like, oh, that's just Mars and Gemini, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and, and it just, because, you know, air signs, we just need perspective, right? If we have the, if we have the, the higher perspective, which hopefully the Jupiter and Saturn can bring us, mm-hmm. we'll realize that um, if you see it getting heated, uh, you don't necessarily have to partake. You can walk away. Yeah, yeah remember you have choice. You have choice. You have agency. Choice. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so make make that choice. Makes me think of the lovers card, which is you know assigned with Gemini there. And so make the choice. Do you want to go down that path that leaves you on the internet for three hours arguing with someone that you're never going to change their mind, or do you want to uh-huh. take that path where you res- uh, absolve yourself of any of that mental irritation and you go and take a walk and get some fresh air uh, and take in some some nature and let your mind wander. You know, you have both those choices. We always Mm -hmm. have choices. And that might be just the thing with Mars and Gemini in general is just remembering every time you make a a decision uh, with your action energy uh, is to pay attention to the choice you're making. Is it, is Mm -hmm. it taking you the path you want to go? Or is it taking you off course? And I think the path we want to go is much of what Aquarius season has been helping uh, implement in us. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep your eye on, on that prize. And uh, even if it's difficult at times and someone gets your goat in some way, you know, choose the path that is going to be more um, mentally healthy, I guess is what, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but that's exciting. We have that that change. And I think uh, basically by the time Mars gets to the North Node, which will be a little into Aries season, that's when all those uh, eclipses from back in, you know, November 13th, December 14th, are going to get activated. And I think we're going to see another big kind of like push of, uh, of energy in, in our lives. But that will be Aries season. We're in Pisces right now. Um, <laughs> That being said, right after that happens uh, on the 4th, which is a Thursday, we have the last pass of Mercury conjuncting Jupiter too. So that's another kind of forward momentum. I like, I feel like movement once again is, is underway just in general. Yeah. And I, I just think about like Jupiter being big scale and and Mercury being smaller scale and Mm -hmm. kind of like translating one into the other, like what's the big picture and then what's like the practical step you can take or like, what's this big abstract concept or reconceptualization that is taking place in your life or in your worldview, you know, Jupiter is so much about worldview and like, how do you cognize that on a personal level a relational level? Um, and what do you do with that information? And I think 
that, you know, this is the third pass of Jupiter and of Mercury and Jupiter together. And it's like, I think that there's probably some clarity that provides, like you're saying, that space for forward movement going on here, which is just, I mean, really nice again, after having like, just, it's been a Saturn Mars, like were Saturn and Mars ever not squaring each other from somewhere. I mean, I feel like it's been like a year. It's been a long time. Aries and Capricorn or Taurus and, and Aquarius, but, um, yeah, just being, just having that clarity to be able to move forward and have, have that, um, to be able to like really cognize and know how to translate the, the conceptual into like the next step or like the next, um, the next waypoint. I think that's what that feels like to me. I, I totally agree because at this point, you know, Mars and Gemini is getting close to, the, to trining Saturn after basically being in a square aspect since, uh, you know, summer of 2020. So there is a lot to be said oh, gosh, about that. Right. <laughs> it has been that long since. Oh, so gosh, there there yeah. is that relief to it. Um, and I love the idea of, like you're saying, putting putting the bits and pieces together with, with the big picture. And this is the third and final pass. So we've had time to entertain this mentally of like where we're growing and the, the bigger vision of our life and this Aquarius zone of for ourselves and for community and, you know, just social life in general uh, and just the world at large. And it's coinciding with a last quarter moon in Sagittarius, which is also adding to more of that big picture. Um, where's this all headed? What's my journey looking like? Um, and it's kind of fascinating to think on the same day as last quarter, we have the sun at the bendings of the nodes too. So the sun is activating the, you know, Gemini Sagittarius from Pisces. So, uh, which, you know, but the bending in a T square can be a little bit of stopped up energy, but it can also be very activating in a sense or where we have to rise to a challenge, or maybe we're challenged, uh, with our, um, just when we're very aware of what need, what's happening next or our next level of ambition and how we're turning a corner. And so it just seems like from, you know, the third, the fourth and the fifth of, um, March, it has this kind of like, really like, you know, notch in the gear and the, and the wheels move. And we see this bigger picture. We know certain things We're challenged in some way and, uh, and life is life's moving on. Yeah, the 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 bendings, you know, the bendings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting space to occupy. Yeah, that's true. I always think of it as like a a little. Um, I think there's actually someone who does call it like the wobble point or something. I don't remember what astrologer that is. I don't know much about that whole concept, but if I use the word wobble and someone recognizes that, no, it did not originate with me at all. <laughs> um, but it's like this this. Um, wobbly point between the nodes where like the nodes have this otherworldly energy. Like it is not, it has nothing to do with this physical plane. Like it often just activates these big turning points and these, these big kind of events or influxes of certain energies. And it's like the bendings is like where you've got both, like um, almost like both ends of a magnet, like that weird kind of like, oh, I know what the, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm like moving my hands and like trying to demonstrate like what I'm the put. It's a push pull. It's weird because yeah. it's like pushing it away, but it's pulling it together. Yeah. yeah, it's a, yeah. Because it's like you, you can really see both nodes. You can see both signs that the nodal axis is in at that moment. And I think that like so, so much has changed since the nodes moved from Cancer Capricorn to Gemini and um, 
I almost said Gemini and Aquarius, Gemini and Sagittarius. Um, we said that word so many times. times yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, I wonder if this will feel a little bit like, especially with that last quarter moon, um, with Mercury and Jupiter, you know, conjoining for the third and final time. Like, I, I almost wonder if it'll feel a little bit like we start to see, we start to really feel how much of a corner we're about to turn, as you were saying, um, seeing a little bit in, in with like this new clarity, like how far we've come and like the direction we're going and, and how much like there's really no turning back and how it's kind of a surreal place to be mm. being able to like really see both instead of like, I'm so locked in on the future. I'm so like in this place where I can't even think about like, you know, 2018 didn't even feel like a real year. Like what even happened that year? Like I was saying before, but like a place where you really see the past with some clarity, the future with some, I mean, relative clarity, at least the path before your feet or the direction mm-hmm. and, and just being in that place of like, wow, like I, you know, I'm about to take one more step and that's the farthest I will have ever been from that point back there. And like that feeling like it means something um, rather than it just being one more plodding footstep forward on a journey be like, this is like, I'm, even if I'm not crossing some new boundary line, it feels like stepping into something more new. Um, So these are just, it's, it's all, it's very abstract in my brain. When I start talking about the nodes, things get weird, but um, yeah, that's kind of my feeling on it as I kind of feel into this. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally, I'm with you on that one. And, and I love the, the, that you use the term surreal because there's something to be said about, I mean, we're still in Pisces season and and Pisces can seem surreal because uh, it's like, are we dreaming? You know, is this, is this really happening? Is this, you know, like they can have that otherworldly quality where we're just in this space and this in-between zone in this transition of what was and what will be. Um, and it can feel like a bit like we are dreaming in a sense because it's not familiar. Um, and we're stepping into this new territory. Um, and I think we really will be at, at at that point. Um, and that's kind of like, to me, that's kind of like the initiation of like that bending place as it does kind yeah. of push you into, uh, and we already kind of felt that cause really the last planet to be at the bending of the nodes other than the moon doing her, you know, normal movements, uh, was Neptune, uh, at the end of January, that's uh, right. which really colored, you know, all of November and December and January of the astrology. And so there's also something to be said, Um, like if I'm okay, so I'm going to basically paint the picture that the sun on the fifth will square the nodes, Venus on the ninth will then square the nodes. And then the sun and Venus both go on to conjunct Neptune. And so it's, it's almost like this weird kind of passing of the baton after Neptune spent so much time at the bendings of the nodes to now have the sun shine a bright light on what that place actually is. And then Venus maybe kind of smooth it over, open it up a bit, connect it in some way. Um, re adds different type of value consciousness to it of what that all means and what we've been through. Um, and so there's just something to be said about really uh, last quarter until that new moon on the 13th of March, where we're in this in-between Neptunian nodal bending. Is this a dream? Where is life going? You know, I see it. Am I here? Is this real pinch me? Am I dreaming? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like. I feel, I feel like that's kind of the energy at play. 
Yeah. And you know, with, with Venus transits, especially when the sun will do a movement and make a configuration and then like Venus follows behind. Sometimes I wonder if that is part of, part of it being like, you know, the sun being, you know, really shining a light on these things and kind of illuminating things intellectually so we can see them. Um, I, I sometimes muse about the Venus transit being like how that lands in our heart space and how that lands in a more like felt space, um, in a, in a Venusian way rather than in a lunar way. And I wonder if this, especially leading up to this new moon and all this, you know, sun, Venus, Neptune bendings, all this energy is kind of like doing a little bit of, um, heart space processing Mm. around all the, we've got all the conceptualization we need with the Aquarius planets. We have all the like, uh, desire to like get out and move and take action and talk about it and like have the debate, have that conversation with Mars and Gemini and like be able to like do, do the verbal confrontation, not only in like a, not, not like starting fights, but like showing up for that, not feeling the maybe hesitation or reluctance that Mars and Taurus might've brought to some Mm. of that. Yeah. Um, but like, what's that doing? Like how's it's again, it's the whole idea of like, at this point, we just want to be like hugged. Like we want to be touched, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And it's like, that's still happening. That's still happening. That's not an illusion. That's not, I mean, we can over idealize anything, anything can be over idealized, but like that heart processing really needs to happen. And it may feel so removed from these other very air dynamics going on, but like, that's so important to pay attention to. So even if it feels surreal or dreamy or like, um, it's, behind a veil and all the like real stuff is happening out here. And then there's this veil and behind it is this misty vision of like figures, like, you know, interacting and intertwining, like that stuff's really happening in your heart. And maybe Neptune is like glossing it out a whole bunch and making it very lyrical and poetic. But like that experience I think is really important. And you know, Venus is going to move into Gemini. We're going to, we're going to continue to have transits as we always do that bring us some clarity about the visions we saw in the smoke during the, the, whatever the Neptune transit was, but it's important to have that experience. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening there. And that's happening in our hearts. It's happening in, um, it's happening with a planet Venus that, that really speaks to, again, kind of our, our social needs, our, um, our friendship needs, our love needs, those connective needs. And, you know, we can sort out the specifics later, but I think it's important to have that experience of the, like, where are we now? Like, are we dreaming? Like what's actually going on? We're just like right in between and we're turning this corner and, um, Mm. allowing that to hit kind of your heart, allowing that to settle there and just have that experience. You know, Pisces is so much about surrender. And so it's like, it's okay if that doesn't make sense right now, just kind of allow it and then um, allow that flow and circulation to be happening. Yeah. It almost makes me think too, as you're saying that of like, are we dreaming together? 
because that's another part with Venus too, is like Venus, we keep coming back to her wanting to connect and and Pisces wanting to connect and it being that dreamy space and adding Neptune there um, is, you know, is this vision inclusive? Are we, do we have the same dreams? Um, Is this, you know, like, and this could be part of those conversations uh, that happen, which are probably you know, like it, it, there's got to be some sort of like discussion element within all of this because all the squares to yeah. the nodes are happening in Gemini and Sag, which just loves to discuss. Um, once again, like you said earlier, the, uh, you know, the, the bits and pieces with the bigger picture. Um, so I think that might be part of it too, is mm-hmm. like, you know, where, where we, as far as relationships are concerned in all types of relationships, whether we're talking about love, business, uh, you know, friendships. Um, if there is a, a shared quality, there is like, you know, are these visions lining up together or are, are let's dream together and let's make this happen. Yeah. What are we co-creating? Like, what are we, what are, you know, dreams are powerful. Like what, what, what can we do when we dream together? I just love that phrase dream together that like caught, that caught my heart when you said that. I'm like, yes, that's it. Like this idea of kind of co-creating and like um, allowing your 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 hopes and your inspiration and vision to to you know open that part of you up to um, to others to whether it's like a loved one or a partner or a lover or your community and like dream together. That stuff, even if it feels like a dream now, like it's 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 almost always more powerful than we think. So I really love that dream together. Yeah, let's dream together. Cause after all the Aquarius, yes. you know, that's where we're at right now. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are, are, are dreaming on their own behalf, on their own oh, independent know, behalf <laughs> within the world. And so, uh, so I'm wondering if Venus and Pisces can then allow us to dream together in some way. Uh, but it's very interesting to think because basically as we lead up to the new moon on the 13th, which has the signature of Venus uh, conjuncting Neptune. Um, and I feel like a couple days prior, you know, in that dark balsamic phase, which is meant to be introspective and going within and, and releasing in some sense, I think this is going to be an extra release, uh, you know, right before the new moon where, you know, especially if you're holding things that maybe hurt your heart in some way, or if you worked through some grief or loss or had, you know, kind of Neptunian uh, letting go or things were not quite how you see they are. And were, or maybe that disappointment that I was talking about earlier and w- not to say that people necessarily be disappointed, but I think a lot of us hold some sort of disappointments in our heart. Um, and if we can maybe make peace with them in, in a, a meditative way or introspective way, before um, that new moon, I think that I think that there's basically what I'm trying to say is there's going to be a very much um, a spiritual quality in like the week leading up to uh, the new moon and why we might feel dreamy and why we might feel like, I don't know, just kind of like bigger, just I don't know. There's no word for it. And that's, that's okay. Because that's the whole idea of like the fog of Neptune is, is it's, it's a, it's a feeling. It's a, it's a sense. It's an intuition. That's another thing that can be very um, prominent at that time. So listen to what your intuition is saying to some extent. Yeah. And one thing I just, I had the chart pulled up just so I could visually see it. One thing I love too, is like this, this new moon is not in aspect to Jupiter and Saturn and 
well, and Mercury. And there's the there's the whole sign aspect to Mars, but you know, Mars is at five Gemini at this point, and the new moon is what at 23 Pisces. So we've got some space from the malefic yeah. planet. So it's the focus is really on Neptune and Venus and um the luminaries. And I I love that. It feels like kind of um there's, you know, there's this big important, there are these meetings going on and it's this big conference or event. And it kind of feels like, you know, ducking out to your hotel room to like take a bath or something, <laughs> just like going, like turning in early and just like taking that time to like rest and be really restful and just like not purposely try to cognitively process all the information and all the changes and all the, this and that and the abstracting and just like, let yourself rest and like, let yourself take advantage of this dark moon phase to like, to know that when your heart is processing, whether that's processing, whether that's dreaming together or whether that is, um, holding space for some, some heartache or for some disappointment, you know, you don't have to understand that in your brain for it to be happening. Mm. And like, sometimes you need to just kind of immerse and surrender and just like cry or like, you know, do some art with your non-dominant hand or just sit there and like literally not do anything and let yourself Neptune out and completely um, feel that kind of diffusion and just rest in like that kind of dark space away from this, um, movement and from this kind of, I've said noise a lot today, but like away from the movement and the noise and the the big planning and just let yourself have that dark moon, restful, peaceful time to hold in your heart, whatever needs to be there and then let go of whatever needs to be let go of as well. Yeah, I absolutely. And it's so interesting to me that I, you know, that are maybe perfect that it seems like we're set up to do that because there literally is like, I mean, from the fifth to, you know, Friday, the fifth to the 13th, which is a Saturday, there's not a whole lot going on in the sky other than what yeah. the moon is doing. So it is like, and that's why I think it is going to be surreal in that sense where <clears throat> when we don't have a lot of planetary energies, like pinging at us from all these different spaces, all of a sudden we're floating in this space of, um, just, what we feel, who we are, especially what we feel, because it's only the moon at that point making aspects, right? Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of that feeling space. And, uh, and it also is very interesting to think that the dark point of the moon really carries us up through Capricorn and Aquarius. And so there's something to be said about like the dark phases of the moon, revisiting some of the more challenging areas that we have been through and all the planetary action that has happened there. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's going to be a very fruitful time in that sense. Um, and fruitful isn't always productive. It, 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 a lot of times fruitful is letting go and kind of being the hangman and surrendering and finding the different perspective. And even if you are dealing with a, you know, disappointment in some ways, sometimes disappointment's not acute. It could just be an overall like, yeah. you know, like it doesn't have to be this thing happened to me. It could just be like, wow, I'm really reflecting on, uh, on, you know, my life and, and, and how I feel about it. And, and like, well, our, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like our collective grief and loss that yes. we've all experienced, like that's a real thing and it's a heavy weight. And, you know, I've, I felt so much like I'm, I'm so very fortunate this past year to have 
you know, kept my day job. I stayed employed in my day job. I did not lose anyone to COVID. I'm there, there, I've been so incredibly fortunate. And I think, um, there is a tendency sometimes to, to really focus on like, oh, you know, oh, it's not that bad. Or like, I've had a pretty good go of it or like whatever, um, not just with me, but just in general. But if we're going to think about like things like dreaming together and really connecting with people and elevating, um, ideas like, uh, platonic love and intimacy and friendship up to this level of importance that they really deserve. Um, part of community is sharing burdens and, you know, we have collectively gone through a lot, even if you, even if, you know, you or whoever has been one of the very most fortunate ones, you know, we, not a single one of us hasn't been affected and just collectively it's just, it's been, I mean, we, we've lived through a, um, a a big trauma, you know, and we are continuing to process. So maybe it is some of that. I love that you said that it doesn't have to be acute disappointment. It can just be kind of like, I can't fucking believe we've been through this much. Like I've been through so much and my people have been through so much and just kind of holding some time for that. Yeah. Yeah, because we might not even feel that we feel that way until all of yeah. a sudden we are feeling it. And we're until, like, oh, wow. Moon moves yeah. into Pisces and we're like, oh. oh exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think I was telling, I was I was saying this in the year ahead that I did with Gray, um, how I thought that Pisces season, especially when we got to around this point, might bring in the emotional flood that we had yeah. kind of like, you know, um, separated ourselves from or detached enough from, from all the Aquarius energy to have all the emotions rush back in and that consciousness of not only our own feelings, but that of the world and our neighbor. Uh, and cause you know, we're all connected in some way. It's like, it's like during the inauguration, I don't have a single friend that wasn't like, I was crying when I was watching it and we're all crying because there there was like a sense of relief or there was like, there Mm -hmm. was a, you don't need to be next to someone to feel those things. This is a web of consciousness that we're connected to. And so, um, so yeah, you know, like let it go, cry it out, uh, dance it out. You know, Pisces loves to dance, you know, get your dance on because sometimes like the biggest, uh, release of like, you know, grief and loss is through joy and celebration and just letting loose and shaking, once again, like shaking it off mm-hmm. um, and have both of them cry and then dance, you know, <laughs> dance yes. and cry at the same time. I, you know, oh, been there. <laughs> <laughs> laugh, you know, it's, yeah, it, it all, it all applies. Um, but that being said, it really like sets us up for a new moon signature uh, that is kind of unique. Like you said, how it doesn't, it doesn't really, it, it's an aversion to the new moon ruler. Uh, we've got Mars and uh, Saturn basically forming a trine. So there's something to be said about the whole lo- lunar month um, with that, that air energy that has a lot of momentum behind it and, and uh, getting a lot of maybe ideas and blueprints off the ground per se, maybe not actual physical movement. There's not a whole lot of earth going on other than uh, Uranus and Pluto. So I don't have a lot of action, Um, but it seems like it's going to be a very connective month and some interesting ways just because of that sun, moon, Neptune, Venus being uh, kind of 
at the front and, and Mercury at its station degree too. So it leaves shadow at the new moon yeah. as well. So it'll be an interesting lunar month, I think, after, after about that point. Yeah, agree. Um, and so really the last thing that happens in Pisces season is Mercury then ingresses into Pisces on the 15th, a couple of days after the new moon, um, which is going to be a totally different flavor than oh all my the gosh. Aquarius. Then we're really in Pis- Pisces is full force for those last few days of Pisces season with Mercury there, I think. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's, it's just how perfect is it that of course we would have Mercury's retrograde in Aquarius, just so there would be more time with more planets still in Aquarius. And so I think that movement out is going to feel like, I wonder if it's going to feel like, um, just some mental fatigue finally kind of hitting and being like, yeah, I really do kind of want to mentally take a break, um, and kind of let things flow a little bit more rather than trying to plan and connect these dots and, and whatnot. Um, and, and yeah, you know, speaking of the idea of like the sun making a configuration, Venus following behind, and then like, it's the, I think of it kind of similarly when like Mercury will follow behind kind of a similar path, like, what does it really, what does it look like when, um, kind of the, the mind is catching up, yeah. um, with what the heart has experienced with what we've been shown or, or what have you. Um, and, but you know, it's also interesting as Mercury ingresses into Pisces and immediately starts to creep up to a square with Mars who's approaching the North node. So, um, but it's, that's all ruled by Mercury. So it makes me wonder, it's like, you know, Venus and the, the sun and Venus have kind of um, laid the path a little bit. And we've already gotten this dose of like, wait a minute, I got to have these needs met. I've got to have this, uh, this affection and this friendship and this relationship and this connectivity emotionally and spiritually and process these things in my heart, you know, Mercury coming along and, and now being in charge of Mars and the North node, you know, from this space, like, what does that look like? That's way different than Mercury, you know, with this eagle eye view of the land below trying to like translate the conceptual into the next steps. It's like, again, this is, this is bringing things more into the realm of, well, does it feel right? Does it, what does your gut say? And like, is this, this may make sense uh, socially or like, um, on, on some abstract level, but like, what is this, what, if, what impact do these decisions have and what do these plans, what, what effect do these plans have like, um, spiritually and emotionally and energetically and like, how, how does that get factored into the prioritization that's happening right now? And this idea of, um, I think of Pisces not only as like idealism or or dreaminess or just this kind of spiritual intuitive sense, but also it's a Jupiter ruled sign. There's this idea of like, um, I, I think of righteousness more a little bit with Sagittarius, but this idea of like with spirituality, it's not always necessarily. And with Jupiter, it's not necessarily only like this kind of, flow or this kind of like, um, I I don't mean this in a bad way, but this very like woo kind of collective focus. It's also like devotion to like your real spiritual 
kind of tenets or kind of like your morals um, or like um, I think of like the devotion of like a priestess or priest who's like, it's their, it's their life's um, focus and purpose to really like carry out these, these um, rituals and ceremonies that, that are in complete service and devotion to this, these extremely high principles and these um, yeah, these high principles. And so like Mercury's bringing that in too, as far as ruling Gemini, ruling a place where Mars is, where the North node is. And it's like, um, there's, there's that level being brought in too. Not only like, does it feel right, but like, is it the right thing to do? Not just, does it make sense, but is it right? As far as like human beings impacting one another. I don't, that was very ramble. That was very Mercury and Pisces. No, I think, it may, I think it makes a lot of sense though, because that's the thing is we spend so much time in a rational space yeah. and we get to emotions and we get to uh, intuition and, and spiritually motivated uh, energy. Rationality is not always involved. And so it's almost like Mercury moving out of Aquarius and into Pisces might feel like all the stuff that we just went through with all the Aquarius was a dream, you know, because now we're in this other place where it's like, wait, hold on. What was all that about? You know, like, and and that that could absolutely happen. And so it can, I have a feeling that it can be a little disorienting in the sense of what you're saying about, wait, does this feel right? Is this spiritually resonate with me? It looked good on paper. It looked good when I, you know, it looked good when I like plotted it all out on a board and everything was like, because maybe I was detached enough while I was far away, but now mm-hmm. I'm like immersed in it and I feel it stronger. And yes, if something's off, yes. then that's where, you know, uh, we get back to that mutable energy and maybe our minds start to change in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, yeah. and, and it it's good because at that point, like you said, when Mercury will go on and make a square with Mars, it's happening from mutable signs. So there is some sort of transition and adaptability and maybe the need for flexibility taking place. So it's kind of the old, you know, the idea of, you know, like I, I hear Christopher Teke say this all the time. It's like plan, make your plans, but plan to change your plans because that's a reality of what might happen once we start to feel the reality of the things that we've committed or agreed upon to, or the big picture we have for ourselves that now feels very real. Um, and maybe there might need to be adjustments, but we dip our toe in those Pisces waters with Mercury there uh, for about what, like four days before, four or five days before we have the Aries ingress. So um, it'll be an interesting, like, just wrap up of that Pisces season. Well, we're going to have a lot of, a lot of water. Um, so it, I, you know what? I'm excited for Pisces to be honest. Like me too, me too. I really am. So I guess to wrap up the, the, all we said about Pisces season, if you had like maybe one word to describe it or like, or like a quick piece of advice or a combination of both those things, what, what would you say for all of what we discussed? 
Oh goodness, that's that's hard. <laughs> You're asking me to pick just one word. Or you one, one word, one. Joe. One, one single word. word. What's the first Only word one. that comes to your mind? Pisces. Um, a feel. Obviously, I mean, I'm just thinking of like, um, yeah, let yourself feel these things. Like, let yourself remember that there's value in feeling and it's not only like, okay to feel, it's like really crucial to do that. Like, it is so crucial to allow feeling to be a part of your process and you're conceptualizing and you're planning and you're strategizing. If you try to leave it out, it will just come back and flood you at some point and it will ruin all your plans. Like straight up. So just like get over it. Like stop, you know, I, this is something, this is like something I would say to myself, like literally just get over it. Like you can feel, you can feel like this Virgo sense of indignance that you have all these feelings, or you can just accept (laughs) that you do and just factor them into all your plans because they're not going anywhere and they will be, it's, it's so enriching to include them. So it's, you know, Pisces season's going to be the the relief of allowing that to have a place in your life and really take it seriously as such. And just like, don't get so gung-ho about, about doing all these new things in all these better ways so much so that you don't factor that in because it's, it's so, so important. It's so crucial. So that was definitely like not one word or phrase, but, but no, but that was, but well, it starts with the one word and then you, you get it. It just on. always it just starts with one word. <laughs> I know how it works, yeah. uh, but I think you're absolutely right. The, the feeling, uh, and normally I would add something to it, but I think that that would be the word that I would use too, because it's crucial. And we haven't had a whole lot of that with the planetary configurations. So feel into it, feel it wholeheartedly Maybe add some heart in it, into it. Uh, maybe the idea of uh, like cups, daring with the heart. Dare to live from, yes. from the heart and, and your feelings um, and have those, like Joe was just saying, factor in to the way your life's transitioning because it is very real what she said about it flooding in if you ignore it. And it will flood in by the time of that new moon oh, and those yes. nodal bending yes. if, if you have ignored it by that time. Mm-hmm. So take your take your feelings um, for what they are. Know that they move, they flow, they ebb and flow. They're not consistent. Um, but if they remain consistent, uh, then they're trying to tell you something. And it's very much yes. to be pay, paid attention to. So that being said... We wish you all a fabulous Pisces season. Now, uh, Joe, where can people find you? What do you got going on uh, during Pisces season or thereafter? Yes. Uh, well, you can find me at my website. It is just joegleason.com. It's just J-O-G-L-E-A-S-O-N.com. Um, I am on Twitter uh, for sure. And I'm also on Instagram, but it's mostly just screenshots of my tweets. I'll be totally <laughs> honest and stories of my cats. Um, but that's also at just Joe Gleason for both of those. Um, I am working on a project right now. I actually, my, my consultations are closed for normal readings at the moment because I'm doing a research project for something called Waymaking to the 12th house, speaking of mm. feelings and making room for them and storytelling. Um, I, I end up with a lot of 12th house work in my client work and in my personal life. I've I'm a cancer moon in the 12th house. It's my sect light. So it's, a, as you can imagine, a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm working on doing some research here for basically how to approach the 12th house as a place you can enter into 
with intention and more of a feeling of safety because um, it can be kind of a scary place sometimes. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, you can read about it on my website. The I'm preparing for a lecture um, that's going to be in the Astrology of Awakening Summit, uh, Astrology of Awakening to Renewal of Hope. That's in April. I'll be posting more about that in the coming weeks, but um, I'm doing the research on that. So if you want to be a part of that, and do um, kind of a beta consultation with me. It will be rolled out as a full consultation uh, probably sometime in the summer. Um, I would love to have you participate when I open it up to the public um, outside of my existing clients. So that's my project right at the moment. I love and that raising project. a new kitten. Oh, I have a new. Wow. I have a Uranus and Taurus new kitten, and her name's Angel, and she's um, an angel. So. She's an angel. <laughs> I'm also devil, doing I'm that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey kittens are a lot hey, kittens are a handful when oh my gosh oh yeah. so much fun they're like, they'll make you laugh they'll make you laugh yes. I need the kitten sure. energy in my life right there now. you go need that kitten well I love that it sounds like a fabulous project um and we can all use some help if we have some 12th house planets I got Pluto hanging out there T square hey. with my luminaries I'm like hmm, you know okay. just that just, just a little bit just a little bit <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right. Well, where can you find me? You can find me at energeticprinciples.com and on Instagram at energeticprinciples. And of course I will do a blog post that will share this podcast along with Joe's information. Uh, and I too will be taking part of the, uh, astrology of awakening summit that will be happening, uh, in Aries season. Um, and I'm actually on a committee, uh, to review, uh, sub, um, What's the word I'm looking for to, to review applications of uh, any astrologers that female astrologers um, that are uh, or that identify as female uh, that are looking to uh, join our summit because we do have a couple of uh placements uh, for people that have been practicing for at least two years. Uh, and if you have something to share or a topic of interest or would like to spread a message to a wider community, especially one of hope, as that is the uh, overall intention of the summit, we are accepting applications until March 1st. Uh, and then we will review them um, uh, a little bit after that, and then choose someone uh, the middle of March. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, you can go to radiantastrology.com. Christina will have the link up on her page, but I'll also add uh, a link to the blog post that I do for this program so that you can get there. Um, and if you know anybody who's interested, spread the good word uh, and, and get it out there because I think this is going to be a very uh, a, a fun summit. Everything's fun, right? Uh, but hope. Oh, wow. Yes. We didn't talk anything about hope, but... <laughs> We didn't. I can't believe it. It was Pisces season. We didn't say anything about hope. Um, we'll try, yeah. Here, that's my word, Joe. Hope. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> hope. Throw that hope in there. Um, yeah. So definitely uh, check that out. Um, all right. What else do I need to say? I need to say leave a review where you listen to this. If you enjoyed our conversation, it helps the podcast be seen further. And for our uh, efforts to also go to a wider view, share it with a friend, share it with a family member, share it with an enemy. Hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not bridge, bridge a gap, bridge a gap. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Venus is almost in Pisces. Um, and, uh, I really, I think that is it. So Joe, thank you so much for joining me again. I really enjoy getting to chat with you. Thanks so much for having me back on. This is always a blast. 
All right, everyone. And thank you for tuning in to us. Talk about Pisces season for so long. Uh, We hope you have a fabulous one. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.